I'm Piercy Janewell, and you're listening to Unsubscribed. Every episode, I sit down with business leaders to help you question everything you thought you knew about marketing. If you enjoy this show, please do subscribe and leave a review on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. Now, on to this episode. My guest today is Jess Petrella. Jess is someone who has always had a keen eye for beautiful design and good marketing. She's used these skills to start her own business and then later to grow a successful career in product marketing. Currently, she's the group product marketing manager at Unbounce. Little known fact about Jess, but she's actually the original designer of the NAC logo. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jess. So good to have you on. Yeah, good to chat with you, Pierce. Um, big fan of NAC. Uh, not just because we have some, you know, professional history, but uh, really excited about how the product has evolved over the years and um, yeah, the the ambition of the brand and how that's sort of landing with customers has re- been really great to see and really fun to see things evolve. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I always remember good times when we first started the uh, the company and I remember you and I worked back and forth on a like a PowerPoint deck to build the initial product. Uh, that was yeah. Fun. Yeah, I remember thinking like, what's this wacky idea that Pierce has for a company? This was sort of, you know, I think it was like 2015 or 16, maybe even earlier when like the earlier days. Um, And SaaS was, it was a thing and we were all aware of it and it was becoming, you know, more more popular and more well-known. But it was at a time where um, I think like Salesforce was just starting to become a household name and starting to sort of pioneer the SaaS movement, and I didn't really know what the vision would be, you know, like, I didn't really know that you were looking to build something that would be so accessible for, you know, marketers across the world. It just, you know, I, to see it evolve to that at this point, um, it's really, really cool. Yeah, I think that makes two of us. Um, <laughs> we're just, you know, it I'm was, sure. uh, fun to start really didn't know where it would go but uh yeah it's been pretty exciting few years since then and yeah we're we're having a lot of fun um i i'd love to know a little bit more about just your your kind of design instinct i want to say like is that something that you always had or is it something you've kind of grown and nurtured over the years um, yeah, it's an interesting one because I don't, you know, deal with design as much as I used to, of course, but I feel like those foundations and that sort of critical thinking on a design level really helped under, like, help me understand, um, you know, how, how things are built and how things come across to folks and you know, some of the psychological components to how, you know, users are you know, looking at things and intaking things. Um, but yeah, for me, I think... Um, yeah, I think getting into design in my early part of my career kind of came from like mid-childhood. Like when I was 14, I was designing like newsletters for like my family and, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with like, there was a thing called GeoCities where you could create websites with Yahoo. So it was sort of like dabbling in um, on a very like creation level. Uh, and then so when I wanted to get better at it as like a, you know, 15 or 16 year old on the internet, 
I would look at other websites and other design and try and like mimic it or understand why it was good or why I liked it. Um, so I think that was like some early sort of like critical thinking and like it started from a hobby into sort of a career and um, moved into freelance. Uh, yeah, it was it was really fascinating in those early sort of years. And I think it sort of helped shape my thinking about how I look at, um, yeah, like customer and user and public perception of a, a company. Tell me more about these family newsletters. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think, I don't know, you know, like a lot of us who are sort of working in in tech space and marketing, product marketing, even product, um, I think we all sort of have those like early aha moments where you kind of realize you're interested in something because you've seen someone else do it. So I don't know, I found like the newspaper and magazines really fascinating, not because of the content, but I would think like, how did they decide to put you know, three columns next to each other instead of just a page of text, right? So I found myself always looking at these things as a kid. And then my dad brought home some software from work. It was like something they were getting rid of. It was probably like pre-Quark Express, if like we could remember like those days. Um, And I loaded it up on my computer. and I was like, oh, cool. I can, you know, this is the three columns I saw in the newspaper. They're now in a template that I can play with. So I started creating you know, like the the Petrella family uh, newsletter just to have content to put in there. It was like report cards, grades, and, you know, just some silliness as a kid. But I, I, I feel like I was seeing things in the world that I also wanted to create. Um, not the coolest thing to create, like to be interested in like, you know, copy how that, you know, translates on a page. But, you know, that, that's where, that's what I was doing. That's cool. <laughs> I find it cool. And yeah, like magazines just in general. I remember I was uh, subscribed. I was really big into skiing growing up. And I remember there's this magazine called Freeze that uh, I had subscribed to. And I, I yeah, I loved, as you said that, it made me remember how much I loved just like all the pictures and the graphic design that went into like building every one of those up, you know, um, magazines that must be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, you know, I love talking to entrepreneurs. I, I'd love to hear, you know, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your business that you had started and where you got the inspiration to, to start your own thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was like mostly a freelance focused business. It was a weird time where, you know, freelance and remote working weren't really a thing. Um, there was no blueprint for that. And it was, you know, nowadays there's a lot of support and encouragement for going out on your own, being a contractor, working with many companies, you know, um, you know, having that freedom and flexibility, there's so much encouragement and so many thought leaders in the space that you feel super comfortable to take that leap. But, you know, I was pretty young. I was like out of college, taught, you know, taught myself, you know, some coding and some design. And um, I worked my first sort of corporate gig within a marketing department. And I liked it, but I didn't have a lot of flexibility and I didn't feel as engaged as I thought I would want to be. So I mostly was driven by wanting to work on different projects. Um, one of those were, had been knacked down the road, but 
um, you know, I wanted to work on different projects and work with different people. And this freelance thing was like, I think I had like a book, like one physical book as like my blueprint for how to run a freelance business. And that was like my Bible. There wasn't a lot of content and like freelance was like mostly copy, you know, copywriting focused. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot to go off of, but I don't know. I, I think I was just remembered my like early days of like being just like me in a computer and creating something. And then I realized, Hey, I can do that for people uh, and companies and businesses. Um, so that's what I started doing. And it was really fun. Like I, I learned a lot about those early days of design. I realized I didn't want to evolve as, you know, front end dev, you know, working in some, you know, those type of problems weren't the problems I wanted to solve. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error. Um, but it became, uh, you know, some of the early sparks of understanding what product marketing was, realizing the things that I was loving to do for companies um, were these sort of like, you know, fragments of what I would eventually do as a product marketer. So it was a really interesting couple of years stretch where, um, yeah, it, you know, became, you know, relatively successful, quite sustainable on its own. I just had that point where I'm like, well, I, do I evolve this? I can maybe go an agency route, which is, you know, what a lot of freelancers do, or I can, um, you know, take another route, which was, uh, yeah, just sort of push forward on a, a marketing career which is what I ultimately yeah. chose, but, and I'm, I'm happy I did. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I feel like you're a real kind of trailblazer to remote working and uh, yeah, doing your own thing before that was the cool thing to do. And uh, back then I'm curious what the book was that you read that helped you. With your I Bible wish I at knew. The time. <laughs> I don't think I held on to it. I should track it down because it really was quite helpful. It wasn't just specific to my field though. Like I think there was a lot of copy freelancing, but I wish I held on to it. I, I'd love to sort of name drop it. It's probably quite out of date now and I'm assuming there are, you know, better <laughs> resources, but yeah, those early days, I think books were, were really, um, you know, the place to learn for, for a lot of those things, even just like I mentioned in my, you know, as a, a 14 year old, I was learning HTML with like an actual book. Nowadays, it's like, you know, <laughs> in browser code generators and yeah, yeah, endless possibilities there. But I was, you know, following along and highlighting stuff. Uh, you know, we we've come a yeah. long way. <laughs> For sure. So it sounds like, you know, your business was doing well. You had a bunch of different clients. It was, uh, you know, financially doing well. And you had to make a decision, you know, do you continue to, to grow it and maybe add more people or, or put your focus elsewhere? Can you just maybe take us back into your decision making process at that time? Yeah, well, it was, you know, I'm actually surprised I made this decision now that now that I have a more business savvy and I realize what the potential of something was, it wasn't so much the work that I was doing, but I had somehow created a high ranking WordPress dev website. So my personal website became, um, yeah, it was pretty SEO driven and I was getting like three or four leads a week, which is like a weird thing now to think about. Yeah. I didn't realize the value <laughs> of that. I was like, I would sift through them and think, do I want to work on this or do I not want to work on this? I didn't understand the value of a lead. 
Um, so it was getting a lot of traffic to my website, bringing in a ton of leads. Um, or I guess at the time I would consider that a ton, but uh, I didn't understand the value of that. To me, I was just like, do I, I don't know if I want to keep working on this stuff. I did explore, like talk to other um, designers and folks that were working in, with WordPress, but um, you know, seeing the possibilities there, but it just seemed um, like I would be doing work uh, that I didn't want to be doing, which was managing a business on yeah. uh, a level that, yeah, would take me away from the more creative side and the more sort of personal development side. I was also probably younger uh, in my career than I would have wanted to be. I think I would have made a lot of mistakes, learned from them. But uh, yeah, I I think just for me, I didn't know the value of what that could be. Um, so that was a good learning, you know, uh, moment for me. And then um yeah, I think just wanting to work on things at the time that felt like I could just throw my whole self into and grow um, alongside that work. So I think that was sort of my decision making point. But yeah, it was interesting. When I look back, I'm like, you know, I kind of indirectly did something that I didn't realize was so hard to do. But it was a different <laughs> world back then, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. You know, there it wasn't it's as difficult. <laughs> It is funny when you when you don't have that context, right? You're just like, oh, well, like everyone must be getting two or three leads mm -hmm. a week and they just come in without doing any work. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of agency owners out there right now that, that are like, uh, I would love to get two or three a week just inbound. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it was a different time too, though. I, I didn't understand, you know, the, the, the implications of what a single lead means to a small business, let alone a couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah. you know, cool. it was its own little success in and of itself. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I've always been like a huge advocate of co-op programs, because I feel like when you're young, it's hard to know what you want to do in your career if you don't actually do it. And it sounds like your freelance business kind of gave you the opportunity to experience working in a bunch of different companies and different areas that you know would would take you a really long time to do if you took the traditional career path can you maybe talk a little bit about what you learned from that and how quickly you were able to find kind of your passion in product marketing yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting, especially specific to product marketing. Um, there isn't really a blueprint to like, you know, come out of high school and seek out to be a product marketer. There's not a lot of visibility there. There aren't, you know, um, like higher level courses to take. And um, I think there's, you know, it's sort of our role as product marketers in a way to share that with, you know, people who might be interested. So what's happened is there's a ton of resources nowadays if you want to take that route. Um, but for me, it was just, you know, I was dealing with some themes like positioning product, um, go to market strategies, thinking about audience segmentation, market opportunities, public perception, um, you know, digging into messaging for companies without realizing that that's the role of a product marketer. Um, I don't think, I'm trying to think of how the actual role came into my awareness. 
it may have been like a job posting where I saw the title product marketer and I thought that was an interesting title. I read through the requirements and thought, oh, this is like what I'm doing and this is what I'm interested in right now. This is a role. Like, is this is something you can actually do and focus on full time and hone in as a craft. Um, so I think for me, I had there had to have been a, a sort of aha moment at some point. I don't remember what it was, but I understood the, you know, the technical, um, you know, capabilities of product marketer with an actual title of product marketing. Um, and that changed things for me. And I realized, you know, um, after working with, you know, SaaS startups for a number of years and working within more corporate gigs within marketing departments and, you know, learning from some marketing mentors, I realized, um, yeah, there, there's something there and it feels new. And I think, uh, you know, I think this is a critical part to a business and I'm not sure why it's not more popular or more, you know, accessible to, to mm-hmm. folks that might be interested in this product, I'm in this um, career path. But yeah, there, there was definitely a moment there where I realized the things I was naturally doing and, um, you know, sharpening up and feeling confident about had fallen into this job title that became my job title. Very cool. So you're you're hiring product marketers now. What are what are some of the things that you look for in in candidates? What do you think makes somebody a really good product marketer? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a few things. The first one might be a little controversial for me to say, but I'll, but I also I think a product marketer, um, an interest in the role and you know honing the craft of product marketing is something that really stands out to me. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to get into this role, and people are at different understandings of what the role is and how they might want to get into you know this line of work. Um, but when I do talk to a candidate who understands the role and, you know, sees it as an opportunity for them to really grow into um, the specialization, I find that as, you know, there's the right synapses happened. Um, and typically a, a really good product marketer or someone who has the potential to become a really good product marketer understands the role and sees how they personally fit into it. So it's like that personal understanding of what, you know, what you need to do to hone in the craft um, is always really interesting to me, whatever, regardless of the level that you're coming into it with um, or the level of that understanding. But that interest to really dig in and hone the craft, I think, is something that um, makes for a really special product marketer. Um, but then on, then there's like the soft skills of, yeah, high empathy, I think is super crucial. Um, you know, having that come through in the work that you've done and the way that you look at customers um, and inquisitiveness, um, wanting to pull on threads, wanting to be cross-functional and communicate cross-functionally is also really important. Um, uh, there's also a sort of perspective of having, uh, you know, that drive to communicate internally to your teams and connect dots that are otherwise connected by other teams. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack for a product yeah. marketer. We really, we take on a lot and we, um, you know, we have to deploy a pretty significant uh, toolkit of skills. Um, but I always, you know, I find there is something special about folks who are interested in really digging into the specialization because typically that 
that is a good signal that, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like you're meant for this role because it is such a sort of different specialization that requires so much of you to go into it. Um, and that's always really fascinating to me. Yeah, like I'm not sure there's another role in a company that touches so many departments, right? Like if you look at product marketing, you're talking to CS, development, marketing, sales, support, probably the executives too. Like how do you how do you effectively quarterback all of that communication? Yeah, I mean, very intentionally. Like, you have to be very intentional, and um, it does require a lot of planning. Like a lot of times in a in a typical role, um, and there are other roles that are cross functional, of course, and you know, operations roles, etc. But um, it is important to be very intentional about how you're communicating with your teams, um, understanding what they need from you and expect from you to be able to do their jobs uh, well. So sales enablement and our customer facing teams, um, but being very intentional in how you plan for that to make sure that, you know, you're not missing anyone in your communications. You're not uh, overlooking any needs from the company of you. Um, I think is probably the most important. So like uh, it probably takes more planning in how and what we communicate more than most roles in the company um, because it isn't singular communication. We, every department needs something different from us. We need something different from every department. Um, so a lot of the times when we are looking at, for example, a go-to-market strategy or you know, repositioning uh, a new feature, targeting a new segment as a, you know, an opportunity we've, we've noticed. Um, it comes with a pretty lengthy communications plan, a pretty lengthy uh, internal enablement plan. Um, because if you don't go with that, uh, you, you can get very lost in, you know, what the company expects from you and vice versa. So yeah, a lot of intentional planning, I think, is pretty critical to keep those ducks in a row because <laughs> it, it could get away from you. It could get away yeah. from you really quick. Yeah. And I've heard that different companies do this differently, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Like, where do you think product marketing should report to? Like, is it is it the marketing team? Is it the product team? Is it the development team? What have you seen work well and and maybe not work so well? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think because the role is still so new to a lot of organizations and there isn't a always a very concrete understanding of product marketing, it does sometimes fall in the wrong department or under the, you know, not, I don't want to say wrong department, but the department that it's not going to operate, um, you know, as strongly in. So I've worked in different capacities within organizations. I've worked within marketing. I've worked between product and marketing. So with, uh, you know, two, two, two departments and reporting to both. Um, and I currently work, which I think for me has been the most empowering sort of uh, place to sit within the company, within a strategic growth team. So at Unbounce, I'm, I work within strategic growth, um, which, and the reason why I say it's the most empowering is because um, the organization understands product marketing as primarily 
uh, a strategic role within the company. So we um, there's that level of comfort in our teams to look look towards us for certain answers. There's a level of comfort for us to be able to communicate out certain strategies. Um, it's where PMM is most effective to be able to sort of sit in a more strategic role and less of a um, you know, purely executional role, even though we do have that balance. Um, typically when product marketer is working within a marketing team, they tend to fall into more of an executional role. Um, so they'll see opportunities, but they, it's a little bit more difficult to action those up, you know, to bring those then to founder, CEO level, um, you know, and uh, senior leadership level, it can t- typically, unless the product marketer is, you know, senior leadership, it typically does take some time to be able to action opportunities um, because you're not always able to affect things like product roadmap or um, yeah, higher level business goals for, for a quarter or for a year. So I find it's most tricky within marketing, but it, again, it really depends Um you know, on the company you're working with. Sometimes it has the advantages because you have, you know, more more opportunities to work with, you know, messaging and positioning on a website. So you're closer to those folks in marketing. Um, but from my perspective and my experience, I think, you know, um, under the umbrella of a strategic team uh, has been, I think, most empowering and most effective for um, the product marketing function. Nice. And what what do you think are some of those kind of core roles on a product marketing team that are critical? Obviously, this is going to change depending on kind of the size of your organization. But mm-hmm. what what do you think are some of those key roles or functions that are really needed? And and maybe one person is wearing multiple hats. But what are what are some of those things that companies should think about as they build out a product marketing team? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I think it depends on like the, maybe the ambition of your product roadmap. So what what does the like five-year outlook look like? Do you need more than one product marketer to tackle more than one um, lines of product? So I think just starting with how many product marketers will sufficiently cover your line of product um, is a good place to start in understanding, um, you know, what that looks like and how you might, you know, parse out your line of product so that you have the, you know, right strategic folks on those uh, products. So I think that's one thing to take into account, just, you know, how you might utilize product marketing, um, you know, with your current roadmap. Um, and then from there, uh, it's nice to have some executional roles attached to the, to, uh, your product marketing team. So, Um, having a go-to-market team is always helpful, and that's usually a marketer. Uh, That could be a marketing generalist. Um, It could be a copywriter as well. Um, And then having that support on your web team as well is also very important on that sort of go-to-market team. Um, So there's like the strategic side with having, you know, folks on, on different lines of your product with product marketing, and then the executional side, having your go-to-market team. Um, and that would scale up and scale down depending on, you know, the size and the asks of, of how your product is evolving um, and what initiatives you want to take on. Um, so I think, yeah, the go-to-market team, and again, it, it really depends on size of your business, but um, having a really solid point person for marketing execution activities is 
pretty critical to move quickly, um, you know, test concepts, you know, you know, speed up your time to market. Um, when you do have a product marketer, and this is all right too, in smaller organizations, you might just have one and they might balance strategy and execution. Um, you will tend to slow down, a, a, you know, at a greater pace than you might want to without having sort of a handoff group um, that can, you know, take strategy, understand it, cannibalize it, and, you know, bring that, bring those elements to market. Cool. In my experience, like, you know, when I was at Cognos, we had a big product marketing team and and some of the other startups as uh we also had product marketing and I was always in marketing and I feel like there were big silos between these two groups like we at least in my experience we operate operated very independently of one another mm -hmm. like how because we have a lot of marketers who listen to this podcast, how can marketers better work with product marketing? And what do you think some of the benefits are if those two teams are working effectively together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's definitely something that comes up. Um, and it's funny because product marketing loves marketing. Like we understand, um, we understand the creativity that goes into certain campaigns. We want to lean on marketing to help uncover opportunities. Um, we want to learn and info share together about our audiences and the opportunities that are coming up as we work through certain strategies. Um, yeah, like ex especially at, you know, Unbound specifically, um, we have an amazing marketing team who um, are, are very critical thinkers and I think it's a mistake for a product marketer to not leverage that and um, and not, you know, info share when we start developing strategy. Um, so I think on the product marketer side of things, um, you know, the more info share and the more uh, touch points we have with product, uh, so, sorry, as we have with marketing, as we're developing strategy, as we're sort of looking at our go-to-market, um, the better. And then on the marketer side of things, um, just be curious, you know, if, if you, you know, infuse yourself as much as you can on those early strategic talks, um, have one-on-ones with your product marketers, uh, you know, just have, have a strategy check or a vision check. Um, I don't, I don't think there needs to be as much as a divide as there often is when, when we are looking at these certain, um, functions within organizations, um, I think there should be an equal level of curiosity for how things are going to market and how things are being positioned and communicated, um, what opportunities we're looking at and what we're learning about our customers. Um, product marketing tends to sort of go in their little silo when they're, you know, info collecting, when they're doing their market research and talking to customers. But I do think it could be really rewarding and really beneficial to um, create a little bit more of like symbiosis when working on these things. Um, it depends on the size of the company and I, things do get siloed out, but, you know, for a marketer sort of like defining your PMM point person, you know, that person you can tap on the shoulders and ask questions to, and, you know, get as much, um, you know, insight and info from so that you know what's coming down the pipe and you know that you can also start, 
you know, thinking about what opportunities you would want to leverage on like a campaign side of things or um, I think there's definitely that opportunity if it doesn't exist within your organization. Um, you can seek that out for yourself, right? So, you know, as a marketer, defining your strategic point person and, um, you know, booking in those one-on-ones with them monthly, I think could be really beneficial, um, you know, especially when you might be collaborating in the future or there's things coming on the pipe that you will, there will be handoff with, or there will be um, like co-creation with, I think, you know, infusing yourself into that uh, is, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for all product marketers, but definitely from, you know, myself, my peers is, is, uh, is very welcomed. Nice. Yeah. That's an awesome tip. Um, you mentioned that, you know, and, and I feel this is very true of marketing operations as well, that a lot of people kind of fall into that career. It's, you can't really go to school for it. You have to, find yourself in the right position at the right time to kind of get in there. Um, but I'm curious for product marketing, like where can people go to learn more about product marketing? Are, are there communities mm-hmm. out there where kind of the resources to go if somebody is interested in it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there definitely is. There's over the last few years as the as the role has sort of opened up and a lot more founders and organizations are seeing the value in it and the necessity. Um, With that, there's also been a lot of market growth in terms of like courses and communities. So I think first and foremost, um, there's a community called Product Marketing Alliance. So they they run uh, events, virtual events, they have virtual courses. Um, their website alone is a huge uh, treasure trove of information for um, yeah, getting into the role. They focus a lot on beginners, but um, also the life cycle of a product marketer. Um, I think there's something like there's a stat like 40 percent of product marketers working today only have one to two years experience. So that gives you an idea of how new a lot of folks are to this role, which is amazing. It's really great to see a lot of new people jumping into it. Um, if you, you know, I think also looking at job postings, maybe just going back to my experience, but that's not a bad one, you know, seeing what companies are expecting and seeing if your interests and your skills align with a product marketing role. Um, and then when you do find that alignment, so if something does stand out to you, like positioning a product or, um, you know, running a go-to-market strategy or market research research, or even like monetization and payment testing. Um, if there's something you've worked on as a marketer um, and you want to learn more about or hone in more and think that might, I know, bring you into a product marketing career. Um, yeah, dig into that specifically. Um, specialization in this role is not something that we're seeing as often, like we are becoming product marketing generalists because it's such a big role. Um, But as we sort of move, I think, and evolve as, as a, you know, a general role, I think even more specialization is going to be important. So um, finding those resources, even outside of the product marketing space will be, I think, really crucial as well. Um, So for example, if you're, you know, you're interested in monetization and interested in bringing that value into a company, um, yeah, the, you know, dig into finance, dig into financial modeling. That could be something that's really valuable to bring into a company. Um, so it's not 
you know, even though it's, uh, you know, a new role and there's already not a huge blueprint to move forward, um, you can even go even more rogue, which is kind of, I don't know, if you're into that and that's exciting to you, I think that's kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are probably the big ones for how you oh. might want to sort of roll into this. But people come from a lot of backgrounds. You could be a financial analyst. Um, you can come from a copywriting background. You can come from marketing generalist. And yeah, we we do see a lot of, um, you know, different ways into this role. But I I think the the primary indicator is just having that curiosity and then, you know, following those threads and don't be afraid to specialize and don't be afraid to generalize and, you know, go, go for something like a, a certification in the, in the program. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little open-ended right now. So it's, it's kind of fun. And um, I think as companies learn the value of this role a lot more, and as, you know, more organizations are bringing these roles in, I think it'll continue to change. So watching those trends and where you might bring value to a company is super super fun and I think a, a good opportunity for folks that are interested at this at this stage. That's awesome advice. Uh, this next part is kind of our rapid fire question that we do with everybody. Um, okay. Yeah, I know you've listened to some other episodes, so you might have a step on some of these. But um, the first one, what's something in marketing that you wish you could unsubscribe from? I think um oh some emails <laughs> some more emails than I probably do uh you know ones that don't bring me as much value as I think they should um that's probably one of them probably not what you want to hear Pierce now that I think about it but uh you know I think you're enabling folks to to create the emails that people don't want to unsubscribe from but not everyone's doing that and you know, I think that's probably one of them it just gets busy, you know, when, when yeah. you're not uh, working with the right formats and the right best practices. Yeah, that uh, that's actually an advantage of our product. If anyone uses it, no one wants to unsubscribe from their emails. <laughs> we, we like to think that anyways. All right, yeah. Another email yeah, question. Is email dead? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. Um, as it can be done poorly and it, <laughs> you know, but it can be done really well. And I think it's um, especially working on the product side of things. It's critical. It's critical to communicate with your customers on the email level. Um, you know, you don't always have to look to get something out of them. Sometimes it's just for information. And I think that's where, you know, the, uh, some solid value comes through and it's very essential. Yeah. That's a funny um, one. I can't believe people are saying that. I see that sometimes, you know, people trying to light a fire uh, yeah, <laughs> behind uh, email, but that that cracks me up. We like it too. We it's always fun. Uh, speaking of fun, we're big uh, advocates of life-work balance at NAC. What, what do you do for fun? For fun? Um... Yeah, it depends. I, I read a lot, uh, you know, fiction, so non-work related. I try to plug as much as possible and, you know, go otherworldly as much as possible. So that's always helpful to sort of like de decompress and, you know, think think big, 
but about things that have nothing to do with what I'm thinking big about all day long. Um, that's probably the big one for me. So the books in your background are not just for visual appeal. No, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I have spent a great deal of time with them. <laughs> you right. know, finding that time and having that time is, I think, pretty critical. Whatever, you know, if it's not books for you, it, it, it should be something else that you can, you know, use to decompress and, uh, yeah, focus on. Uh, who's one person that you admire in the business community and why? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, in the same vein of product marketing, I think April Dunford is, uh, you know, she's done a lot for the PM role and for, uh, you know, folks understanding the importance of positioning and messaging and, uh, you know, done a lot for us product marketers to understand that and create a framework so that we can actually bring that through. Um, but it's also like built a killer career of being like the word on on something that is was relatively new and now is something that's incredibly valued. So um, yeah, I, I look up to her. I, I really think the way she's built her career has been excellent um, and has just given an invaluable information to, um, you know, us working in the field. Awesome. I'm pretty sure I follow her on Twitter. Um, yeah. What is one piece of career advice that you've picked up that you think might help others? Hmm. Yeah, I think I've, I've just, uh, I think people have told me just go for it you know, a few times in my career, like different mentors and different folks that I've worked with, um, you know, in either directly or indirectly, you know, push forward and, you know, pull on that thread and, and learn that thing and move forward. Um, yeah, so I think just go for it is something that I really, you know, value from a career point of view. Um, you know, follow your instinct, follow your interests, uh, learn it, apply it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So I think there's, you know, some indirect ways that folks have told me just go for it. And I think that's something that, you know, helped push me forward and can really help, you know, push folks forward. Nice. And uh, last one, who else should we interview on the unsubscribe podcast? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, you should talk to April Bedford. <laughs> Yeah. I think that would be a, a good, she has a lot of good information. Uh, it's fun to chat with. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm also, I'm thinking like very uh, product marketing focused. So Marcus Andrews from HubSpot is the good, good guy to chat with as well in this space specifically, but um, yeah, that's what comes to mind. Awesome. Thanks so much for jumping on today, Jess. It was great taking a trip down memory lane through the early days of NAC, hearing about your incredible journey, uh, starting your own business and finding your way in product marketing. And there's a ton of great tips around product marketing and how marketers can better work with product marketing to achieve some amazing results. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. It was, it was great speaking with you. Yeah, it was great, Pierce. It was good to catch up and chat through all these things. It was really fun. And thanks for having me on. Awesome. 
Thanks for listening to Unsubscribed, a podcast created by Knack. If you enjoyed this episode of Unsubscribed, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any feedback or want to chat, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter at marketing underscore 101. Cheers.